You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about how to turn trials into triumph. And our text scripture for this series, uh, for most every lesson, we'll stay with it for quite a while, is James chapter 1. So let's go there and read beginning in verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Now, when trials come and we find ourselves in the midst of them, our priority is always, I want my circumstances to get back to normal. Uh, Isn't that the way the whole world has been thinking for the last couple of years? When will we get back to normal. I just want things to go back to the way they were. And uh, people who think like that, and it's very tempting to think like that, what happens is they say, I am deferring my joy and deferring my happiness until my circumstances turn around. And you can't live like that. You have to learn to show joy and manifest joy by faith, even when your circumstances are not going the way that you would like for them to go. And by the way, this is not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it's something that you and I are to practice as a matter of habit in our daily walk with God. Do it in the little things. Learn how to keep yourself from being frazzled when negative things come against you. Maybe something that happens in traffic or a long line in a store, and I am preaching to myself because I have difficulty with those things, but I have to learn. This is a time to rejoice. Be happy. Uh, uh, Put your faith in God. Don't let this negative circumstance get you down. Now, I will say this. After experiencing those negative things over and again, I try to avoid them. And that's one of the reasons I do not fly. And thank God I ha- don't have to fly like I used to have to fly. It drives me nuts to fly. Part of the reason is nobody knows what's going on. There is no information. Even the airlines don't know what's going on. And uh, they're the masters of the 30-minute delay. Our plane has been delayed about 30 minutes. And 30 minutes later, we still hadn't left yet, and it's delayed another 30 minutes. I have actually gone for seven and eight hours with 30-minute delays. Finally just got in my car and went home from the airport and found out the plane never left, never took off. And they knew that early on. They had a mechanical issue, and they knew it was going to be that way, but they didn't want to have to rebook everybody on other flights and flood uh, their counters. They weren't ready to take that. And and so they just offer excuses. I, I can't stand that way of doing business. I know it's going to be that way. So that is a temptation that I avoid. Maybe someday when I am a master of faith and patience, 
I can spend a lot of time on the airlines. Right now, I haven't gotten there yet. All right. God has a totally different aim for us, knowing this, that the trying of your faith exercises patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." You see, while our faith is designed to work against the negative circumstance, God designed patience to work on us. God created patience so that it could begin to settle us, to bring us to a place of peace, to bring us to a place of confidence when there's no reason to have peace or no reason to have confidence. That's what patience does. Patience causes you to chill and rejoice and have faith even when things are not going smoothly. You do not need patience when everything is going your way. You need patience when things are not going your way. Now, patience is the ability to maintain vibrant faith over time in the face of contradictory circumstances. Now, this world of contradictions actually began in Genesis chapter 3. And God had told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan struck up a conversation with the woman. And she had said that if we eat the fruit of the tree or even touch it, we'll die. She was misinformed. Uh, You wouldn't die if you touched the fruit. But the serpent manipulated her, and he came back and he contradicted God. And he said directly, you shall not surely die. Now here you have the first contradiction in the scripture. And it's Satan saying to the woman, God's word is not true. And that has been going on ever since. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's the contradiction. He's been doing that ever since. It is his business to contradict the Word. And he does it in two ways. Number one, he does it in your thought life. He comes at you with contradictory thoughts. But that's not all. He comes at you with contradictory circumstances. You are believing a promise from God. You have followed God in a particular area. You're expecting a blessing. And all of a sudden, something happens to interrupt what it is that you were expecting. And it totally contradicts what it was that you were planning to do or the promise that you were standing on. That is how he works. He brings about contradictory circumstances. How will you respond when that happens? Now, patience is designed to bring us a settled peace so that we don't panic. And I can tell you this, when you fall into panic, you will do something stupid. You will not behave wisely when you fall into panic. That's why you cannot afford to get into panic mode. You can't eliminate panic mode when it strikes you. You have to learn to eliminate panic mode before it ever comes. And that happens by practicing the Word of God in the small things daily so that when something happens with the big things, you know how to respond. That's how it works. We can actually reach a place where we are as convinced by God's promises 
as we would be if we had a manifested answer. When I was, uh, I think, 27 years old, Dilip and I went on a ski trip, and somehow on that ski trip, I contracted hepatitis A. I got sick as a dog. We cut the trip short. We came home. Uh, I had a lot of nausea, uh, didn't feel right, lost a lot of my strength. The main thing, I was extremely fatigued. And, uh, but when we got home, the fullness of hep A hit me, and that's when my skin turned completely yellow. And I knew that I had uh, hepatitis A because of that. Um, I, I, I couldn't lift my arms above my head without, uh, it felt like bench pre- uh, uh, shoulder pressing two, 300 pounds. I mean, it was unreal how much it took just to get up in the morning and to go into the living room and lay down on the couch. And I'm telling you, it, it was a miserable experience, miserable week. I still remember it. I couldn't eat anything, couldn't keep anything on my stomach. I'd throw it right up. I tried to uh, eat soups and light things, didn't work. Uh, The only thing that I could keep on my stomach was 7-Up. So I drank 7-Up for a week and uh, laid there. But I never let one word of doubt or unbelief come out of my mouth. I spoke God's word. I confessed what the scriptures said. Uh, But we'd been going like that for about a week. And I got a phone call from my dad. And he said, uh, your grandfather is not doing well. Uh, he will probably pass away this weekend, in which case the funeral will probably be early next week, and we probably are going to have you say some things, and I just wanted to give you a heads up. Well, when I heard that, I thought, now my family turned against me when I came to Christ. And now when I tell them that I have hep A and can't come to the funeral, and I'm not in the hospital, they're going to think this guy is absolutely crazy. If I show up at the funeral with hep A, it is not going to look good either. So I got out of the bed, and I made myself go into the living room. It was late on a Saturday night, and I just began to praise God. And I began to give God glory. And I had been so focused on when the manifestation of my healing would come that I reached a place in my prayers where that no longer mattered to me. I said, God, you said by Jesus' stripes I was healed. And by Jesus' stripes I am healed. If it takes a thousand years, that's fine with me. But I'm still healed by Jesus' stripes. Now something happened that night. I didn't feel it. There was something in my spirit, though. I reached a place in God where I believed so strongly, I have this answer. I have it. have it by faith. I went back to bed rejoicing total peace. I got up the next morning, and I wasn't quite as yellow as I'd been before. By the end of church that day, we did go to church, scared a lot of people, but I did go to church, and uh, when service was over, I told Oliva, let's go to a restaurant. I'm hungry. And I still remember going to Red Lobster and eating an Admiral's Feast. And I mean, I downed the whole thing. I had a ravenous appetite. And after about seven to nine days there, I was completely recovered of hep A. About a month after that, maybe two, three weeks even, I went over to work out and was at the gym. And the guy sat down beside me and collapsed on the seat. Just, I mean, he was out of it. And he said, man, I had hepatitis A six months ago, and I'm still not back to normal. 
And I thought to myself, you know, I had hepatitis A two weeks ago, and I am back to normal. God healed me. And I saw that there, it was possible to be in a place of faith that even when everything was screaming, you don't have the answer, you don't have the answer. I was settled. I had the answer. I was in complete and total peace. I've had to do that a number of times in my life. And I can tell you this, it's not something that you do if you're not prepared ahead of time. It is something that you do because you have a knowledge. You know what the Scripture says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, one of the most important lessons that I think the Scripture shares is how the Apostle Paul handled his shipwreck. Okay? Uh, he is being sent to Rome. He is not in charge of his destination or the time or how he's going to get there. It is not a good time to travel. Uh, Acts chapter 27 verse 9, Now when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, the captain, the Roman captain, and the captain of the ship. And he said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading, of the cargo, and the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. But Paul had no control, so he was forced to go along with it. Now the Scripture says in verse 14, Not long after there arose against it, the ship, a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. We just turned it loose. And they ran aground on a certain island. Now, that's the first thing that happened. They tried their best to get out of this situation. But in verse 20, it says, When neither sun nor stars in many days had appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. They reached a completely hopeless situation. Now, this is a real test of faith, a huge uh, attack of the enemy. It's Satan doing everything in his power as the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, to keep Paul from going to Rome where he will testify to the Caesar that Jesus is the Son of God raised from the dead. But listen to what happened. Verse 21, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me, and you should not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. But listen to what he says next. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be, even as it was told me. Now Paul contradicted the contradictor. And what I want you to see from this, it was because of what he knew. And when you know the promise of God, 
And when you know the Word of God, when those contradictory things come against you, you know that they will not be allowed to achieve their full purpose. Paul knew that because God had called him to take the gospel message to the Caesar, and he was bound and determined to do it. He knew that this was a blip, that this was an attack. We're going to get hit with those things. You can't stop those things from coming at you. But the key is to learn to look to God in the midst of that. And here's an example of Paul in extreme conditions showing peace, patience, saying things like, fear not, be of good cheer, be of good cheer. Three times he exhorted them, and it's because of this knowledge that he had on the inside. So great faith is not joy when everything is going right. It is the ability to show joy even when everything is going wrong. All the time I have for today, but we'll pick up here tomorrow. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.